This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives here and is on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. I'm going to ask, are you ready? (laughs) How are you? I'm, you know, hanging in. It's a day. It's a week. I'm doing the best I can. And um, some days paying more attention to what's going on around me and some days uh, taking some some mental health time. Okay. Those were like seven solid answers to how are you. And I know exactly what you mean when you say you're paying attention to what's going on you some days and other days taking a break. I think you're talking about the larger uh, social and political world. Yes. But I also just the way you you said it, it made it sound like some days you choose to have object permanence and other days just like. Where am I? What is around me? What's in my environment? I don't know. Is that grass? Is that concrete? I don't know. And and maybe. Maybe I'm just walking along going, what is this? I choose not to know. Is this a chair I'm sitting on? Perhaps. Perhaps not. I am all that exists right now, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, this week, we're going to talk about travel. Uh, travel is on my mind because I don't think people should do it unless they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... Uh, I think that's reasonable, don't you? I do. I yeah. do. I am I am in complete agreement on that one. Yeah, like I know I, I know I want to keep an open mind and I know lots of people have all sorts of different situations, you know, who might really need to travel for some very specific reason and all that. But I think just in general the cultural conversation that's happening right now as Thanksgiving is coming up, as uh, other holidays are coming up, this, you know, getting to the point where like uh, uh Ted Cruz has this ridiculous tweet that I don't know if you have seen. Probably not. Uh, it is a picture of a turkey. And then a star above it, this sort of Texas star, saying, come and take it. So this ongoing, uh, we are trying to save one another's lives. And this deep desire to me even make that political to that level of, yeah, that's what Anthony Fauci wants. He hates Turkey, and he, he's trying to keep you from it. Like, no, we're just, we're all trying to keep one another alive. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's a really, I mean, I I... Absolutely understand. I was uh, speaking with my parents earlier today about exactly this. Uh, They live far away from us, so that is not remotely an option. But um, by that, I mean visiting them for Thanksgiving. But how hard it is because people do want to see each other, and and I do totally understand that. But also with how bad everything is, it just, um, we are all being asked to honestly sacrifice something for the greater good yeah but it's also for it's it's also for ourselves it's so that we can get to doing these things sooner um you know and not making things quite as bad and and like you said like there's all sorts of different situations and absolutely there are some situations that um that should be able to to travel and do what they need to do but but we aren't all in that situation Yes, completely agreed, and thank you for saying it in a uh, calm, <laughs> reasoned <laughs> way. Uh, so travel is on our mind because we're very concerned about it, but we also want to have fun, so we're going to talk about the traveling we've got to do before. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about why we travel, uh, the we being the general cultural we, <laughs> not just you and I, and also just travel a little bit in our minds because we can. So uh, I want to start, as we always do, in our childhoods. <laughs> it's mostly a podcast, but sometimes just therapy. Uh, what was uh, what was travel like in your childhood? Um, like, what was my concept of travel? Or yeah, what like, was... what, what's like your earliest memory of mm. travel, and 
your perception of what it is, what it's for, why you do it. Yeah. So I think probably my earliest memories of travel, if I thought about them that way, which I I honestly don't know that I did, um, would be we lived in a different city from my grandparents. And so it would be going to see my grandparents or other um, relatives, uh, which would have been like an hour and a half long car journey. Um, but we would go and we would, st- you know, stay overnight with grandparents and things. So, um, so there is that. Um, yeah. And then when I was fairly young, we took a trip out here to California. Really? Yeah. I believe I was five. Um, and I don't remember, um, a lot about like the plane, like I would think I would remember the plane, but I honestly don't, but I do believe that they gave me wings, you know, oh, really? it was my first flight and I was little, uh, and um, they gave you wings like banks used to give you suckers. Yeah. Like airplanes used to give kids like a little pin that was wings. Really? Like to be first... like, I did it. I flew. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think they still do that? I feel like I've seen them do that again on flights uh, semi-recently. Like, I feel like I've been leaving an airplane behind small children and then being like, here, have some wings. Okay. I wish I knew about that. I would have demanded some. Yeah. Uh, anyway, because <laughs> <laughs> I did not fly as a child. We'll get to that. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, t- so you flew to California mm-hmm. for what? Um, to go to, uh, we went to Disneyland and we went to the beach, and we had relatives who lived out here, so we went to stay with them okay. and visit them. Um, and uh, basically, what I remember is the beach. Uh, it's a small, small world after all. The abominable snowman and uh, Andrew's Air Force Place, because that was where they worked. Okay, the, that's where so the relatives were. The relatives were. Okay, that's not so. a part of Disneyland. I've never heard of. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay, so did you enjoy it? Like when you came home, were you like that was the trip of a lifetime? I love travel, or was did it just feel like this is a normal part of life from from young Sarah's perspective of that? Sometimes you go far away to see your relatives, and then also Mickey Mouse is there. I think at that age, I did not have remotely that sense of um, understanding. Yeah. Um, I thought I th- I think I re- I remember liking the ocean because I'd never seen an ocean before. Yeah, obviously, and, and you still do, and I still do. This is still true. Um, I loved it's a small world. Um, uh, the ride at Disneyland, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have very vague memories of this big shocker driving to uh, or flying to Los Angeles um, of the highways. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Seeing them from the sky or being in Being them? on them, in driving them, down, on them. Orange te- down to Orange <laughs> County, yeah. What is your memory? Um, I don't think I'd ever seen like quite like... Like a big like, one. They were really big and palm trees. Like I just have very vague memories of like things were big and sunny and <laughs> green. And I think it was like winter. I think it was probably, you know, somewhere when there was probably snow at home. Right. And so it was green here, but there was lots of cement. And there was some time after we moved here where I had a very strong um, instinct when we were driving on some highway of like, oh, I had totally forgotten I had this memory tucked away in my brain from when I was a little kid. But then I was like, oh, that's the like highway overpass combination. I remember like not the exact one, but the The spirit, the spirit of it. Yeah. Okay. so even if you didn't. think a lot about what is the nature of travel because mm-hmm. you were five. And, I, and <laughs> I don't expect you to be answering these essay questions in your head when you were five. But you had a positive association with it, right? I did. Yeah. And I don't think I was like scared of flying or 
scared of driving uh, when we would drive, you know, to see my grandparents. Okay. So then when you did get older and you were aware of not everybody travels, did mm-hmm. you have an awareness of that at any point? <laughs> You know what I mean? I do. I do. Absolutely. I mean, I felt very lucky to be able to to travel and see some other places. And and then we moved to the West Coast. So then most of our travel was back to Minnesota to see relatives. Okay. Uh, but didn't you still do other family vacations within that time? Uh, yeah, we did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, uh, I guess what I'm curious to fast forward to is at what point were you aware, first aware that travel is a choice <laughs> and one oh. that you enjoy and that you want it to be a part of your reality either with your family or, or by the time you were traveling on your own yeah I mean I think that's wow that's a really great way to put it I certainly I think it was one of those things that because I was lucky enough to have that opportunity to go different places and see different places and I really enjoyed that like I enjoyed seeing different things um, seeing different parts of the country. Like one year we went to my parents who lived in Maine for a little while um, early when they were married. So they're like, okay, let's go take a trip to Maine. And wow. so we went to, to Maine when um, both my brother and I were also semi-young and just kind of getting to see things like th- that, which was a totally different culture than what I was used to. And just kind of getting to see different places Um because I was lucky enough to have that experience, I really enjoyed it. And even when it was, you know, like when we lived in Washington, we would drive up to Canada because that was half an hour away. <laughs> and, um, you know, getting to see what was what was different, what was the same. Like I was just kind of always a very curious child about other um, countries and other places and other traditions. I remember throwing a party once. I don't think it was a birthday party. I think it was just like a I'm having friends over, but it was like a we're going to explore the world party. <laughs> and so we all dressed up in different costumes and like... You had an It's a Small World ride party. <laughs> I did. Yep. Wow. Yep, I did. Okay. So you, by, that was what, uh, you were 28 then? When did that happen? The party? Yeah. Um. Let's see. I was probably 10, give or take. Okay. So Nine, by the time you're entering double digits, you were aware that this was something that you valued. Yeah. I was just really interested in... Studio is very interested in the world. <laughs> well, that kind of covers everything. Now we can do any episode of Obsessed About Anything, and technically it's a part of the world, so unless it's Mars. Eh, eh. Yeah. Not as obsessed with that. I, I tease. But that makes sense because you, you got that opportunity to see a little bit of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got that opportunity at Disneyland to see the ride, It's a Small World. Yeah. Which, you know... I, I think, you know, people have complex feelings about that, understandably. Yes. Uh, there's some cultural stuff that has not aged well on that ride. But it does uh, present the idea of like, look, there are a lot of different cultures and they all have similarities and differences. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing, sorry, that I had forgotten about. But we also, again, when I was fairly youngish, we'll say like somewhere in the six to nine range, um, our neighbors had foreign exchange students. And so that was, and we knew our neighbors, obviously, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> well, you do. plenty of people not, don't. Not obviously, but we did. And um, so I remember, like, it isn't like we spent a lot of time with them, but we went to, um, you know, we would go see them. I, I believe we bought 
eggs from that neighbor. I think they had a chicken in the backyard that okay. we bought eggs from them. Um, and at least what, for like a year. <laughs> where were you living when you were buying eggs from? Was it what? <laughs> where, where was this? Uh, this was in Red Wing, Minnesota. Okay, fair enough. Fair Home enough. of Corn Night. Home of Corn Night. Wow. Okay. And being able to buy eggs for your neighbor across the street. <laughs> maybe that was only for a year. I don't know. Um, but they had exchange students um, who were there. And I remember just being fascinated by their exchange students from Japan. Okay. So should include that. Um, and just being fascinated by that. And, you know, they were very kind to a young Sarah who had a lot of questions. Okay. Yeah. All that. So, so for you, it sounds like travel in your mind is just absolutely tied to learning about different ideas, different places. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just like different people and different ideas and kind of how it all fix, fits together. Yeah. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. I think I probably have revealed some bias in the way I'm asking the questions <laughs> <laughs> uh, because my family didn't really travel. That wasn't like a thing. Um, we did move from uh, Brainerd, Minnesota, to uh, the general Portland, Oregon area. We eventually ended up living in Portland, but we lived several other places uh, near Portland. But we drove there when I was very young and then drove back. So, uh, you know, I have memories that are memories for sure. And then other things that are like photos where my mind has sort of filled in the memory. And maybe it's the memory or maybe it's just I remember that photo and then have back like... So some stuff that's like concrete for sure memories mm -hmm. and some stuff that's that, that super young, uh, almost dream level of memory. But freeways, like I still like a big freeway and it is because that sensation of being in the front cab of a U-Haul mm -hmm. when there were very different laws about writing, about children <laughs> writing and just the, that sensation of that open road to wherever, you know. And we stopped at like weird roadside uh, attractions. And I have concrete memories of uh, stopping at, you know, that, it, you know, I, I don't remember what it was at a time. I knew it was not a kind of store that was in Brainerd and that, that maybe they would have different action figures and getting specific action figures on the road. So there was all this from traveling there that I think I picked up parts of travel of just that, that feeling of it's. The road is wide open in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're you're going to see things that look kind of familiar, but they might have different things there. And also just get the kind of big, weird, garish roadside attractions, you know? Mm, yeah. So I think I had sort of instilled in me early on uh, the combination of that, th that actual drive back and forth. And then, you know, being an age that I could remember snow and cold, and then not understanding and, and needing it, you know, to be explained why that wasn't happening in Portland mm -hmm. and why it would, you know, just be rainy sometimes. And, and sometimes there'd be a tiny little bit of water that would turn into just a little bit of ice that yeah, I would crush with my boot on the way to school <laughs> uh, or my shoe because I wouldn't even have to be wearing a boot. Um, I think getting to see at a very young age a place that is very very similar but also very very different and you know we would uh, you know not often but i think we drove out to the ocean once and i think that's the first time i saw the ocean and my dad always uh said that turn of phrase that i think used to be much more common of like when my ship comes in about when i am mm. a little bit more uh financially set uh and I, I thought it was literal. So we, when we went to see the ocean for the first time, I was like, well, where's your ship? Is it, <laughs> is it coming in? <laughs> is it that one? <laughs> is it that one? Where's your ship? Come on, let's go. Um, so anyway, point being, I think that that idea of different places being exciting and fun because I really liked uh, the life 
you know, that I remember having mm-hmm. in Portland. Uh, and then going back and knowing that it's really different from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So I think that was instilled in me really early. But then, you know, we didn't have a ton of money. It wasn't a priority. We didn't travel. Mm-hmm. And I was very cognizant that other people traveled and that like other kids would tell me it was a normal thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it really doubled down into a lot of my life um, perspective of, you know, that uh, the the scene in the first Star Wars movie where Luke stares at the twin sunsets and, you know, wants to know what's out there. Mm-hmm. I think I had that instilled in me. People relate to that scene for many reasons, just for the philosophical reason. But I think I had it both like philosophically and literally of like, I would like to go to places, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we finally did uh, the weird little bit of traveling of my grandma had had moved to Texas. And uh, we took a Greyhound bus down there, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, uh, a, a both thrilling and nightmarish adventure. <laughs> <laughs> many stories from and then we didn't want to do that on the way back so we flew mm-hmm. for the first time and i think i was like i, I was like 18 mm-hmm. uh and the first plane was this tiny tiny little commuter plane and i just it was great i had there was this was like for me i, I have different fears but flying has never been one of them I, I think it ties maybe to that feeling of that open road that i had as a little kid mm-hmm. and it's just like this is so great and then i was even like a little bummed out when we got on the normal plane because it was you know a small connecting plane yeah that was like you didn't feel it as much oh you know it was still thrilling to be like look at the cars turn into toys you know as you <laughs> go into the sky which and i still love it and i'm still a window seat guy mm-hmm. uh, because of that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am a window seat guy with a tiny bladder, so it would be better for me to be an aisle seat person, but I am a window seat person because it's the thrill. You're taking off. You're going somewhere. And even once I started flying a lot, I never lost that thrill. Mm-hmm. I did once um, have a window seat, and I don't, it must have been the 4th of July or something. Anyway, there are a bunch of fireworks, and I was glued to the window watching all the fireworks from the plane because... It was amazing. I'd never seen that before. And the person next to me, because I just was glued to the window for the first hour, did eventually turn. And I was, you know, like in my 20s or 30s, like I was not a child. Yeah. And she's like, have you never flown before? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, look at the fireworks. They're so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's just fireworks are cool. Uh, Did they nod to that? Were they like, okay. I I believe then she looked with me and she's like, oh, yeah, look at that. So I made a friend. Yeah, you made a friend on a yeah. flight. That's and then amazing. We both stopped talking to each other as we both agreed it was correct etiquette. <laughs> Did you say that out loud? No, I think we were just both on the same page. Ceasing communication is now the correct etiquette. <laughs> I think a lot of people agree with that. Not everybody does it on flights. Um, so so as you grew up then and could choose to travel, you did, right? Because you mm-hmm. you uh, made the choice to go to Edinburgh for school, right? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things um, I think from traveling and just being really interested in the world um, that was kind of, I mean, honestly, one of my key things going into thinking about college and looking at colleges was that I absolutely wanted to be able to travel abroad. And so I wanted to make sure I don't know that there are schools where you can't, but I think I just kind of wanted to be aware of like, okay, I have a lot of interests. I'm trying to figure out how to juggle all of this. I'm trying to figure out how to not be in school for too many years. But Mm -hmm. I really like this is the thing I'm not willing to budge on. I want to be able to study abroad. Yeah. Um, So I did. I studied at the University of Edinburgh. Yeah, that's so great. Did you uh, did it feel like 
traveling because there's an interesting distinction to me between uh, we are going somewhere on vacation for five days mm-hmm. and doing a bunch of vacation stuff versus you have an interest in travel that, that does seem like it it, uh, it emanates from understanding a different place, a different culture. So you can get exactly what you want out of being in Edinburgh for what what was it, a year? Um, Eight or nine months. Eight or nine months. So yeah. that's like, how does that sit in your mind when you think about it? It's not a vacation. You're there for a reason. But it's not going to be your home. Yeah. I felt like I, like I lived there temporarily because I was there for school. And I mean, school, I think, is always a little bit of a different thing because you are at school. But I was, you know, like living in the city and walking to the, like the, the campus is spread all over Edinburgh, but it's in mainly one section. But it isn't like um, the school I, I went to, I went to um, a small liberal arts college where it was a campus. Everybody was in the same place. So this was also a very different experience from that, which is the thing that I wanted. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to take classes with, like, I didn't want to go to a program where it was like, uh, like I had looked at programs in France, but I didn't feel like my French was good enough to be able to take classes in French. And I didn't want to take classes not with, not with the people who were going to the school. Right. So like my classes were with, uh, I with a lot of people with a lot of different um, European and British accents, okay. <laughs> <laughs> including some very, very thick Scottish <laughs> accents. Um, but no, I felt like, and then I stayed there through the summer because I was like, well, I can't be in Edinburgh and not stay here for the Edinburgh Fringe. Right. So I stayed um, and ended up uh, being in a Fringe show and dancing with um, a group originally through part of college. And then we traveled throughout the summer. So I ended up meeting a lot of people who just lived in Edinburgh and we're not affiliated with the university. So I felt like I got kind of a little bit of, you know, a 20-year-old perspective of what it's like to live somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So do you feel like, were you conscious of, like, I want to know what it is to be a a citizen of Edinburgh? Like, I want to understand this different culture. Like, obviously, uh, in contrast to, like, a vacation where you're like, I'm going to do all of the uh, tourist things. Mm -hmm. Like, you went to school and I assume you like bought tea and just did <laughs> life, right? I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I also did a lot of tourist things and um, like my parents came to visit. So we did a lot of the tourist things when they were visiting. And, you know, I lived, the people that I lived with, some were Scottish and some were also exchange students or yeah. not exchange students um, studying abroad. And so like we would go on trips to other places within Scotland and things like that. So I feel like it was kind of a mixture. And also I was 20. And so, (laughs) you know, kind of both very much wanting that experience. But I think I had a 20 year old's experience of Edinburgh, not like, what is it like to be a citizen here? What would it be like to, you know, follow the politics of the city? Right, because you were studying and dancing and and busy. Mm -hmm. But when you got home, did it feel like you had been on a vacation? Um, no, (laughs) no, I, I probably was not much fun to be around when I got home, um, because I, I both, you know, I wanted to come home. I was ready to come home and I needed to come home because I needed to graduate, Yeah, but I also loved it there. And so had that kind of like, I had a, I had a difficult transition coming back. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I had a difficult, uh, I didn't, uh, is different age, but I had a difficult transition coming back to Minnesota from Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that one, because I 
as I mentioned, lived on the West Coast uh, as a kid. And then I moved to Iowa and I had a difficult transition moving back to the Midwest from <laughs> Iowa. Also. But then I loved it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, that's an that's an amazing experience because it is kind of you know it's travel certainly, but it's uh, travel to then be there for a while. But mm-hmm. it does relate back to you know when I really quizzed you on what does travel mean, and you brought up talking to uh, exchange students from Japan, and then you went and you mm-hmm. know did you try it at any point to be like, does anyone want to know anything about America? Did you try to? <laughs> Um, exchange culture in that way? No, no, but this is, um, so I had been, um, when I was little, I had taken, I, so I, (laughs) I'll get this out eventually. Don't worry. Uh, so I was in one of my classes and the way the classes work there is you have large, large lectures and then you split up into your small groups and it was a history class and something was coming up about, um, World War II and, something came up about Sweden and all the people I remember sitting in like this TA's little office and like the 10 people were like, well, what about this? And like the, the absolute lack of knowledge of anything about Sweden, um, like there is no knowledge. And I was like, well, what about this and this and this? And like, well, we hadn't thought about that. Like, do you know anything about, but you're not from Sweden. I'm like, no. And I don't, I'm not saying I know anything about Sweden, but like I live, I went to Swedish camp and (laughs) like, have spent a lot of time learning things about Sweden. So I feel like this and this applies too. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. So you brought an American... Uh, I brought an American perspective on Sweden to people in Scotland. <laughs> totally an American perspective. I want to make that very clear. That but, is yeah. all very European. <laughs> That's very exciting. So what are some of your your favorite travel experiences then as an adult? Mm. Outside of uh, of uh, your time in Edinburgh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, they, I have. I am lucky. I have many. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I are you having a hard time picking one? Yes. Okay. Do so, you want to pick one first? I mean, for you, and I'll think. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We can do that. We can exchange let's cultures exchange. that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, that that trip to Texas was, uh, you know, a, a strange and rocky adventure for many reasons. Um, and the actual Greyhound thing was like, I was so hungry for adventure. Like, I enjoyed the misery. Like, we got, <laughs> so it was one of those, like, whatever it was at that time, like $66 to go anywhere. And you think, what a bargain. And I was so uh, young and romantic and, and uh, naive at that point. You know, I was uh, still uh, typing all of my papers uh, on a typewriter because it was required that you hand them in, not handwritten, mm-hmm. but there was nothing about they had to be printed out. So I was stubbornly typing my papers. Uh, so I had a type, like an old 1940s typewriter that I loved. And then uh, I bought... That a, you brought on the trip? No, I bought a portable typewriter, which is still like probably 25 pounds, maybe 30. But it's like, it's it's an old suitcase typewriter that was meant oh, to travel, yeah. that was built into uh, a uh, a suitcase. Mm-hmm. And so I like, I bought, I brought a bunch of books to read. I brought this uh, extremely heavy uh, typewriter suitcase because uh, I just... It was so excited to just like like I'm gonna go somewhere far away and I'm gonna type a story. I don't I don't think I typed a word. <laughs> um, it, and then the the buses, uh, at, you know, they kept being like, "Well, here's here's the already quite screwy route we're going to take that is not direct. It's because oh, you know what? We forgot to tell you that one's full. So you're actually gonna go way farther east or west than you need to. 
Um, and at one point, like we got stranded in Greyhound, uh, like bus stations, like through like most of the night of like, uh, this other, we called, we woke this driver up because it, there's a bunch of you that need to go to, I can't even remember where we're going at that point. I think like at that point in the, in the, um, in the ride, I think maybe we were supposed to get to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was like 4 a.m. I remember that there was an automatic pizza machine that was like supposed to be like a novelty what? that you like, you, uh, ordered it. And then it was like this conveyor belt that you saw it squirt the pizza sauce, the tomato <laughs> sauce, and then you saw it like throw the cheese on it. Uh, but it was like broken and misfiring. And it was just like this, like, it was like if you wanted to make an art house film of like the mechanization of America falling apart of like, look at the power of science and convenience. This is, so it was like gross disgusting and i was starving but i thought it was great because it was just uh so (laughs) hilarious and then uh probably 2 a.m or something like that the um the replacement bus driver that they had woken up and said you're going to tulsa Mm -hmm. uh you know uh got us all on the bus there was a like massive thunderstorm which was really cool i thought Mm -hmm. and then the the bus driver got on the mic and was like i'm lost does anyone know how to get to tulsa and like somebody (laughs) on the bus had to like come up there with like a map and like i think you want to get on you're on the wrong road like it was a uh bus ride that was a train wreck uh but i you know i was not a jaded traveler i was like this is great i you know i'm going off into the horizon past the two suns and having adventure uh and then uh, the flight back was you know much better (laughs) (laughs) they didn't get lost yeah and now you know when i i want to still have that sense of adventure but i think if something like that happened i would be like you know i'm much more concerned about my creature comforts than Mm -hmm. i was then so so that one uh sticks in my mind um the uh first time i uh went uh outside of i went to canada once for a few minutes uh i went to canada to see the hulk movie in 2003 uh but actually this was before this so yeah the first time i went to anywhere outside of uh america went to uh the uk uh with my partner at the time and uh and she had a lot of travel experience um and i had ordered these doctor who toys over the internet which at the time were these not great action figures uh but i loved them because they were doctor who action figures uh made by a company called de paul mm-hmm. uh and they on the back of the action figure they had the factory address and said there's a showroom in the factory buy whichever doctor who figure you want on the showroom floor of de paul in in this incredibly long lots of vowels well welsh town mm-hmm. and i remember as we were kind of planning the trip i was like this is amazing look at that and she was just like we can go there because she and her whole family were very familiar with the uk and, and had a real sense of like you know we pick weird places and we go weird places so it was mm-hmm. a great dovetailing of the way that she liked to travel of travel was a challenge for her mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like let's go to the nicest place with the most conveniences it's like you found an obscure kind of hard to get to place to go. Let's do it. <laughs> and I just remember the thrill of like from looking at, you know, you, knowing my uh, sensibilities, looking at this impossible address on the back of an action figure uh, to going to that place. Mm-hmm. And they, at the time they had a little Doctor Who museum that had a lot of, you know, props and costumes from the show and a Dalek you could pose in and wall of these weird action figures. And I spent oh, so much time there. Uh, picking out the action figures so that one really sticks in my mind because it is the the fantasy of travel the imagination of it from the back of that action figure all the way to the reality of it Mm -hmm. uh it's always stuck in my head and then 
you know, you, of course, uh, went to sc- back to school in London mm-hmm. and I came and lived with you there and we traveled many different places. And all of those travels are all great things. But I think our trip to Edinburgh, strangely, because mm. I really liked Edinburgh uh, and just we had a lot of great like with, like stories that you and I still talk about. You know, we mm-hmm. stayed in that um, uh, that that bed and breakfast where the friendly but assertive Scottish uh, person every morning would just come aggressively running up to your table going, to your coffee, to your coffee, to your coffee, in a great Scottish accent because <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to keep things moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, we tried, climbed up to Arthur's seat. Uh, we had that. We went on that great uh, tour, that bar crawl history tour about uh, literary Edinburgh, and mm-hmm. we were... I, the only two people who signed up and he still took us yeah and like would practice jokes and he'd like make a big joke and then go yeah i'm not sure if it works yet thank you for letting me practice like we're trying to laugh there are only two of us like a bunch of great stuff that kind of got into like it it did make me feel like we were truly we were doing some tourist stuff but we're also exploring the city which helped because you knew it so well Mm -hmm. um but then also i don't know just so many the like the the great things about uh about travel in that in that trip for me yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think about that trip a lot too. Plus, I just uh, I mean Edinburgh is a great town. It is. It is a great town. I'll have some more thoughts later. <laughs> uh, so there, I listed three travel memories that are uh, important to me. Yeah. What do you? Yeah, got? those are wonderful. Um, so I've got a, a few. Um, so the first one is I think you had asked about when I was adult, but w- one that I want to share is when I was a again when I was a kid. Okay. Um. <laughs> we'll get to being an adult eventually (laughs) but um my I think because part of it is because I think this really informed my approach to travel in the future um on my own is I uh, was very lucky and my family you know had racked up some airline points and so we were able to go to Europe um when I was both my brother and I were still at home and so we went we did kind of, you know, like they like, okay, we need to go here and here and here and here. And uh, the list was ended up being, you know, England and Denmark and <laughs> Norway. And, so it was like a big Just circle. three quick stops. You know, but I remember. Um, How old were you? Going into eighth grade, maybe. Okay, so 13, 14. Yeah, around, give or take a year, right around there. But I remember, you know, looking at a book, like a Lonely Planet or Fedoras or something travel book. And seeing a picture of a town in England, I mean, like, this is beautiful. Can we go there? And uh, my sweet, kind parents were like, sure, we'll make it work. So just like, I mean, it was in the Cotswolds and we were planning to go to Stonehenge. And so it wasn't like, so I was taking us, you know, two days out of the way. But it also was like a super kind thing of like, sure, you want to go to a place? We'll make it work. We'll go there. Yeah, there's Um, some magic of that of like point on the map in that place that is an idea can become a reality yeah and like i saw one picture of it of the like old watermill and then i was so thrilled to actually see it in person like that was just an amazing experience to just be like i saw that thing in a book and now i'm here and i'm seeing this and this is absolutely amazing um and then and then we you know went across um over to to europe and um one of the things that we did as we were going along, which I think did influence how I traveled, um, especially, um, you know, like 
when I was first out of college is we would just be like, okay, well, cause we, so we'd rented a car and so we would see how far we could get and then just try to find a place to stay there. So we, even though it was very, some parts of it were very planned, some parts of it were a little bit more open to let's see what happens, yeah. um, which was really fun. And I think really instilled in me that sense of like f- travel can be fun and adventure and it doesn't have to be all planned out, um, which was then I took that to extremes. Um, <laughs> we took it to extremes on, I, um, on that end because at one place we went to, there were no hotels. And so we ended up staying in a pension, which it's um, a pension. It was like a home for older uh, adults. Um, and somehow we got a room and I, I don't think there were people who were um, not mentally well, but I kept, I for years thought my parents had somehow found a room in like a uh, place for where I was not sure that I wanted to, to be by myself. Yes. Yes. Understandable. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, how did that work? Was that something like that happens? Like that they, that facility knew that sometimes uh, American tourists end up there at night and they got to take them in? I, th- I think it was a hotel, but I think there were some longer term residents. And then, got it. so I think it was just like a different concept of what a hotel is. There was nobody like there was nobody scary. I just wasn't, you know, they weren't rooms with like bathrooms in the room. So I wasn't going to go to the bathroom by myself in the middle of the night because I just didn't know. And I think we were in Germany and I didn't speak German. Yeah. Um, and I was a kid. So, um, so we did that but then we ended up in norway and we um have a lot of norwegian relatives that we still stay in touch with so we got to really see like their homes in norway and go stay with relatives that my parents knew well from other times when they had been back and like just lighting writing letters because you know that's how we used to all know each other (laughs) (laughs) um and so just kind of that amazing experience to go from seeing a picture in a book to going there to just like an approach to travel but then also spending time with with locals who knew this the place and be like oh well we're gonna go get shrimp from here because this is the place that we always go to get shrimp on fridays or whatever so that was so that's one um and then um just in terms of like a totally different experience when i was in college my choir went on a trip to sing in south africa damn yes and that was just amazing because uh totally different place um culture everything that i've been at before um, one of our students that was with us was from South Africa, so we got to see like his town and everything, which was amazing. And we were all required to do a lot of, um, you know, studying about the country ahead of time so that we would be at least a teeny tiny droplet informed. And just like the gorgeousness of the beauty of the country would just kind of blew me away. And yeah. meeting so many different people and seeing so many sides of South Africa, um, you know, was really eye-opening yeah in a a really good way for you know a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's awesome yeah yeah and then i certainly like the trips that we have taken together i mean i could just go on and on and on (laughs) but i think you've got other questions so i'm gonna stop myself there all right all right um yeah so a lot of our travel we've definitely got to do some travel for uh for joy uh when you were living in london like i Mm -hmm. said we uh i came and lived there with you and we from there we went to wales and we went to edinburgh and we went to paris and uh i think that's about it Mm -hmm. uh yeah um so we definitely have got to do some like fun traveling together but a decent amount of our travel has been for a work on some level right mm-hmm. of uh, traveling from place to place to do uh, shows or conventions what do you think is different for travel when it is for work like how do you feel about it do you feel like 
you experience the place differently? Does it still count as travel to you? Does it still scratch that itch? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends. And you have traveled more for work than I have. Um, and a few times you've traveled for work and I've gotten to come along and have fun. So then it totally scratches that itch, uh, which I should mention, um, we did get to go to Vienna, you for work, me for fun. And that is also like one of my top trips because that was just amazingly fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that one, that one was super bonkers. Let's just talk about yeah, that for a second. Sure, we'll get back absolutely. to the, the main topic. Yeah. <laughs> is that for, I had an NDA at the time, but the project is now done. So I think I can uh, talk about it. It was to write for a video game. It was a mobile game based on Chuck Norris, <laughs> and I'd been writing for it uh, uh, here in Los Angeles, and then they really wanted me to come and meet and work in the same room uh, with the team, so it was uh, just utterly bizarre. It was pretty last minute. They paid for it, and it was, yeah, to go to Vienna, which I'd never been to, uh, <laughs> to write Chuck Norris jokes, pretty much, to write, like, decade-old <laughs> internet uh, meme jokes. Uh, so, like, there was just, like, the utter absurdity of it. It was really, you know, meeting all the people uh, who, you know, who came from kind of all over Europe, uh, but all had this same language and sort of culture of games and gaming and uh, mobile games in particular, uh, but are also kind of, like, you know, nerdy genre people. Uh, so that, it was a really fun experience. The actual work experience was really fun. Mm -hmm. But it was really weird to just be like, I'm in Vienna. And now I walk through like a, just a, a normal neighborhood, beautiful neighborhood to like an office building that if you like, if you turned, you know, if you close the window, you'd just be like, I could be anywhere in the world, basically. It's just an office building. And then meanwhile, you were going to like <laughs> and <laughs> cathedrals then... and art museums. Yeah. And I was thrilled. There was no amount of like, I enjoyed the absurdity of it. Of like, I'm trying to come up with motivations for Chuck Norris to beat people up that we can communicate with one line of dialogue at the beginning of a uh, mobile video game. And you are seeing some of like the great art of Europe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Going to coffee houses, running around. It was also January, um, which was fun and amazing, but also very cold um, to be walking around. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting to see some just really, really interesting, you know, whether it's art museums, I loved, honestly, going to the different coffee houses, because they were so different. And there's such a part of the culture there. Oh, and the coffee is so good. And right? the coffee was so good. And um, I took a little like tram around the ring of the center part of the the town. And then I was like, Oh, wait, there's an action figure store, I need to go find see what they have. And I actually bought an action figure for you there that we had not be, been able to find in the US. Yeah, the which Force is, Awakens Finn with the removable stormtrooper helmet. And it's got the three uh, fingers of blood. Yep. So and good. That is one of my favorite things is to just find like, something random that means something to us from a place. Yeah, but that isn't necessarily like the tchotchke you would normally think of. And it doesn't like I so I love that as like a souvenir thing. But there are so many things about that. And then you really wanted to see a museum while we were there. And one day you're like, okay, I think I'll be done in time. So we're like, okay, we're going to go to the, um, I'm not going to insult it by pretending I can pronounce the name right now, but it has a lot of um, kind of 19th century art in it. Yeah. And we went and like, do you know how soon we're closing? We're like, yes, we're going anyway. And we kind of like picked a floor that we had picked, I think a floor ahead of time yeah. and ran through it in like the 45 minutes that, we had left to see things. We didn't run. We, we, we walked are, fast. We walked fast. But it was really fun because because so often museums are they have that energy of like Shh, be quiet, be slow, take your time, and and I like doing that. But this was really fun because it was just like a different way to sort of take it in. And I 
honestly did see the art in a different mm-hmm. way because I've been lucky enough uh, to, to go to some nice museums of, you know, the Louvre and, and London Museum of Art uh, and, and, all, and all, all sorts of great places. Uh, I'm blanking on the names of some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, so they did have some of that sort of like, wow, you, amazing to see this in person. But to just kind of like blur it together in almost like this like fast montage because you just got to keep going. And I know that there is a ton of art like this in the world, but I remember just being really affected by the number of uh, portraits or, uh, or or scenes that featured women who seemed to be staring at the camera like they were in an episode of The Office. Like, I remember, like, I just saw, like, a thousand women who are done, who have had <laughs> it, who are full of what is you know undoubtedly righteous frustration mm-hmm. at something and it's been captured and put in this museum and i'm sure i would have felt that walking through slowly but it was a different experience to see it so fast mm-hmm. and in like some ways it's my favorite museum trip because it felt alive it felt i remember very the alive. emotion of it you yeah. know yeah yeah i completely agree yeah, and so that was a fun. That was a fun reason to have to travel fast and get that experience. Mm-hmm. We also went to that four hundred year old uh, restaurant that had all these signatures on the wall. Yeah, right? that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we had mentioned that we were going. So one of my friends had said, like, "Oh, Vienna is my favorite place in the world. You should really go to this restaurant." And we're like, "Okay, we'll we'll see if we can." And and it worked. And it was. And then we ended up getting seated in the room where all the composers um, and musicians have signed the ceiling. And it was just amazing. And it's like Mozart, right? Mozart, Mozart Beethoven. To, all, all the way to like Prince and Elton John, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. Yep. Phil Collins. Phil Collins. <laughs> uh, everybody from Mozart to Phil Collins is a hell of a sentence to say. But that is amazing to just sit in a room and, you know, uh, not shockingly, I got a martini. It was quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sit in, in a room and eat, you know, a strudel and drink a martini in a room that is older than our nation Mm -hmm. is a hell of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just put time in perspective. All right. So that was, that was a specifically interesting work trip where you kind of got to do the tourist side of it in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I got to do the, I live there because like almost everybody uh, who, some of the people had flown in from other places, but a lot of the people like worked there and this is just their day to day. And Mm -hmm. like for me, I was like, even when I was sitting in an office, like I'm in Vienna and they were like you know you know what oh you you and your wife are gonna where are you gonna try to go and I'm like we're gonna try to do this we're gonna try to do that and they're and they're like uh I'm gonna go home and play Minecraft because <laughs> like, they're just because it's just their life you yeah, know yeah and exactly. feeling that that tension of being in a place that is like from for the outsider so romantic and attached to this this movie and that movie that I love it from and this idea and this part of history uh, and then for other people this is where this is the this is the boring old place I live mm-hmm. is fascinating uh, then I've had experiences other places where uh, I have maybe done one or two tourist things but other other times it's just like uh, yes I drove through your city from the airport to the hotel and then did some shows uh, you know usually at a convention, sometimes at a comedy club. And then, you know, your freeway from your airport to your downtown area is lovely. But there, yeah. but you can't make any sort of argument that you understand the place or experience the place or the people. Right. Because right? like it's the rare, the rare one where you're lucky enough to have time to do one thing. Yeah. Most of the time it is truly just like airport, road, show, airport, road, show. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But I guess for you, whether it's been traveling with me or for your own stuff, if you're going somewhere, not just to like soak it in, but also like on a specific mission, does mm-hmm. it still feel like travel to you? Like, does it does it change if you have an agenda? Um, No, I think for me, the thing that changes it the most is is exactly the question of whether there's any time to experience something of the place. Like I kind, I actually kind of like I like both. I love I love being able to just like travel, wander, you know, whether it's just like getting in the car and going somewhere or seeing what happens. But also when there is um, when there's an agenda, especially if it's not a super stressful um, agenda, but like I've gone to some sometimes when I've traveled to go to conferences or something. So it's not I'm not performing. I need to be at the conference, but it's not um, nothing like I I can take the time to go find a museum to enjoy if I get there earlier, go walk along the water and, you know, drink a coffee or whatever. Like I yeah. can find those moments to have my own little experiences with the location. Um, and I, and I like that. I like it because a lot of times for me, that gives me a, a chance to go to places that I wouldn't necessarily have otherwise gone. Like I went to um, Indianapolis when you're to stage manager show that was part of Gen Con and had enough time to get to just wander around Indianapolis a little bit. Yeah. Which Indianapolis is not necessarily a place I would just be like, mm, circle a map there. That's where I'm going just for a vacation. But it was really fun to just go explore and walk along the riverfront and see what was there. Visit the Kurt Vonnegut Museum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lucky. <laughs> Thank you for the postcard. Yeah. I think I'm. Uh, there's definitely the places that you just fly in, fly out, uh, and can't make any argument to having seen the place. But then, like we we've been to San Diego Comic Con many times. Mm-hmm. I've been to Dragon Con in Atlanta many times, and like San Diego Comic Con is it, there's so many people from all over the world coming, and they just we I won't <laughs> they <laughs> I, I'm a part of it. We um, just entirely take over. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I have ever been to San Diego. Like, I've never made it to any other, even tour. Like, we've had some friends uh, who who are from San Diego who once, like, kind of gave us a ride around. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, it's like, oh, I, I have literally seen, like, oh, that's a house. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, there just wasn't, we haven't done much to, like, be in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then Dragon Con is huge. But it somehow just feels more in, A, I've just, I've gone to, like, the, coke museum in atlanta and i've gone to the big uh aquarium and um dragon con is huge and it takes over everything but there's also just like a i feel like i've seen atlanta a little bit uh yeah it seems like you have a connection to having seen atlanta when yeah. you talk about it or when it comes up i think it's partially just because like a, a lot of the people who work at the various hotels and the restaurants like they're aware of dragon con and some of them like are all in and some of them are like, Hey, you guys are all back. I don't like any of that stuff. <laughs> Here's what I like. Uh, I don't know. There's just, I feel like I've talked to people from Atlanta and there's something about the way that Dragon Con is set up that it, it is, uh, I think I oftentimes the volunteers from the convention who will pick people up at the airport mm, are yeah. from atlanta mm-hmm. and they'll really share their opinion about the city or about the convention and there's something about it where it just feels i would never make the claim of like i know atlanta <laughs> but i just feel like i've got somehow in that convention i've got to experience the actual city a little yeah. bit more than something like san diego which seems to be on like cool marina 
have like overwhelm the existing culture. Yeah. And I, that's my personal experience. I realize that's incredibly subjective. I am not saying that is the truth. That is my personal experience with those two conventions. Yeah. Cause actually I feel, I, I feel a little bit that way about San Diego, but I do feel like, well, no, I've like, I haven't seen all of San Diego, but I feel, I do feel a sense of like, well, no, I've seen certain areas and I know what certain areas are like. And I have been there once or twice without it being for Comic-Con. So that might be part of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's very interesting. Yeah. Like I, I would love to go there sometime when it is not Comic-Con yeah. because it just feels like an entirely different world. Um, so we've, we've talked around this question a little bit, but I'd like to dive directly into it. People talk about visiting other places to get the the feel of them. Mm-hmm. Or you have talked about even literally like wanting to understand and appreciate uh, cultural differences. Um, how do you think you do that? How do you think you truly get the feel of a of a city or a town or a place? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it de- <laughs> I think it depends on the place. Um, I think it can be hard because you. Um, for myself, um, when I travel, I feel like sometimes one of the things that does give a feel of the place is getting a chance to talk to people who live there, yeah. like you were saying with Atlanta. Um, and I know some people when they travel are really, that's really what they want is to make a connection. They're really good at making that connection. Um, I am not always, like both just not always wanting to be that forthright. And depending on if it's a place where I speak the language or not, just like not quite sure how to maneuver that some of those interactions but a lot of the times that i think of most fondly um because i thought of more now that i didn't mention earlier (laughs) just so you know um that i are times when i that are like oh yeah that was very nice to um get a chance to see this kind of out of the way place or to talk to this person and hear what their experience is like um i know one thing that you and i have often done when we've traveled is sometimes like both go to see the things that that do make up part of what the the place is but also like say it's a city just take some time to even if it's not paris where you're supposed to sit on the sidewalk (laughs) but just take some time to like sit somewhere and let it kind of soak it up yeah and sit maybe go to like a restaurant or a cafe that's not on the the standard tourist path that's not the super touristy thing but you know and but try to find something that's just what is it like if you live here to just go out for dinner or go out for a drink or go out for a coffee yeah Um, and i think just like literally observing people like literally how they communicate yeah with one another or what the general like i guess like not the mood of the city but like literally the mood of people yeah because i've lived enough places that like yeah i mean you risk going into stereotype and painting with a broad brush but like sometimes you know posture is different attitude is different what you know do you kind of not greet people or do you greet every person you meet or do you only greet people you love? And even if you greet people in public, are you a little bit more like how vociferous yeah. are you? Uh, you know, how much does the weather, how much does the mood of the people match the prominent weather of the place? You know, all, all sorts of things like that. I'm, I'm always interested in seeing like, you know, without, you know, trying to, you know, imp- imprint that over what I'm experiencing. Is there any of that vibe? You yeah. Know? Yeah, that's um, so when I was studying in Edinburgh, I over a spring break went on a little like Euro rain tour through different parts of France, or excuse me, different parts of Europe, um, including France. But the one I was going to talk about is I went to um, Lucerne in Switzerland and was hiking and I kept seeing a few of the same people. But I very quickly was like, oh, everybody greets each other. So like 
and I speak no German, but I'd be like, Grüße. And it was just like try to figure out like what are they saying? Okay, and then like at first I was trying to say it too properly. I was like, and nope, that's what, not what is saying. it you're saying? I, I, th- I think they're saying like a version of good day. Okay, but it was just kind of like a. But we were hiking also, so like I was on this not like a steep mountain thing, but like everybody was out walking around, and like but everybody you passed, you said hello, um, or good day, and um, because it was rude not to. At least that was my interpretation of what I was seeing. And who knows? Maybe yeah. I was wrong, and everybody else knew each other. <laughs> But all day, all day long, I was saying hello to everybody that I saw because I wanted to, you know, not be rude. Yeah. Um, and it w- felt like a good way to kind of see like, okay, well, what is the culture here? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And do you, did you feel like you, you got a sense of it, a feel for it? Yeah. I mean, certainly for that. I mean, I felt like I'm, I'm doing this. I'm getting this. I'm, I'm saying hello. I'm saying good day. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think for myself, there's a a wanting to understand the history, which might be, you know, a bias of liking history. But like, especially having worked uh, at Mill City Museum in Minneapolis, which um, is basically on the waterfall. That is the reason that people live in Minneapolis, that there's so often, you know, geographical reasons or, Mm -hmm. you know, resource reasons that places exist. And trying to, if I can, I always like to understand that and see, like, is that something that the place has moved on from? Mm-hmm. And that's like a forgotten part of it. Like, I mean, that's part of the story of Mill City Museum is, you know, Minneapolis was, you know, built on the power of St. Anthony Falls. And then the industries that were powered by the uh, the falls moved on and it became the city of lakes. And that became the emphasis. Right. So right. sometimes cities kind of in even in their own boosterism and in, therefore in their own psychology forget their starting point and other times it's like it is undeniable right right kind of so i'm always interested in that and when possible a thing that you and i did when we were going around in uh uk and we went to dublin was the other place we Mm -hmm. went um to go to a writer's museum this is another uh bias for me but we went to a a couple different the one in edinburgh and the one in dublin that was like little museums about you know chosen uh uh sort of sons and daughters, people who came from that city and they're writing about it and their opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's always fascinating because maybe they're right, but by being famous and writing about the city, they shape what people think of the city. Mm-hmm. And then there's also that that circle of like, well, if the city wants tourism, that may or may not be true of our city, but if people expect this vibe or this thing, then let's lean into it a little bit. Right. You know, and I remember the power of being in Dublin. I believe it was the uh, uh, Samuel Beckett centenary. Yes. And we read so. in, you know, a lot about him in the museum, part of which being like he came from Dublin, disliked it, left as soon as possible and never came back. <laughs> and then for just like obvious tourism reasons, like famous son of Dublin. And there were like there were those the, like promotional flags of him on every light post. And it was yeah. so weird to have read like born here, hated it. Let's celebrate it. It was really, yeah, an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. So I guess I just, uh, in an effort to try to understand it, like trying to understand like the history and sort of what some of the people who have tried to capture the, you know, mysterious spirit of a place in Mm -hmm. writing and have opinions about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And see if that matches or if it sees like feels more like you were told that's what the muda is. So then you see it everywhere. Yeah. Right. And I, I find it very interesting. I don't always do this, but trying to read something that was, 
either written by somebody from a place or set on a place before going there or after going there and just kind of how that influences your opinion of it or your experience of it. Yeah. I So we were talking earlier and I said, let's put a pin in it mm-hmm. and about Edinburgh having a very strong feel. Oh, yeah. To you, what is the feel of Edinburgh and why? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it's so, so goodness, let's see if I can put this into remotely understandable words. Um, so to me, Edinburgh is an absolutely beautiful city, um, like kind of to the point of, <laughs> let me get overly dramatic here. It's like a soul tearing apart level of beauty, but I feel like it kind of has that element of it too. And, and it's not just because like I am a, a big Robert Louis Stevenson fan, so it's not just the Jekyll and Hyde, but I feel like <laughs> it actually does very much have, I feel like there's a reason that that story came out of Edinburgh. Like, yeah. There's, you know, plenty about kind of, you know, the um, different people, different opinions of Edinburgh, you know, Edinburgh um, residents over the years. But also just, you know, you've got this volcanic mountain spine right in the middle of it. You've got giant Arthur's seat. You've got these people crammed on top of each other for so long with the multi layers of houses. Um, and for people who do not know about it, just look it up. Like it's it's incredible. It's insane. There's like these, you know, streets and closes that were half underground and underground and it's just an amazing and then because it is on an old volcanic plug you've got streets that go underneath other streets and that's just naturally how they're built yeah and then you've got this new town which is you know georgian so it's not new new to our standards uh american wise but it's you know like these laid out squares and it's got such a different vibe and then you get all the way down to um Leith and the port and what all of that feels like and that's a totally different feeling and I just feel like there's so much going on there and and I think honestly for myself because I had wonderful times there but I also had some hard times when I was there and I remember sometimes like walking up the stairs um, in one of the buildings being like this place is so beautiful I feel like I should always be happy here but like maybe on this day I'm not happy or something like. But oh, today is not really? a good day. Yeah, like I Did just you feel like you were betraying the beauty of Edinburgh by being unhappy. I felt like the beauty of Edinburgh, the just like and like the the peaks of the Salisbury Crags was what I had a view of. I just I have wow. a very specific memory of one day, just like having a rough day and being like, ah, oh, this is so gorgeous. That should be enough to be like filling my soul. Interesting. And so yeah. I just I feel like it's a and I. I'm sure there's people who don't like it, but I feel like um, other friends, um, Americans who have gone there, they're like, oh, I'm going here and here and here. And then they come back. They're like, oh, my God, Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's just, um, you know, I, I think a lot of those friends are writers. Maybe it's got something to a, yeah. a writer's soul. I think there is a truth as, as somebody who has simply visited, not lived there. I think there is a truth to the it's a romantic place in the largest mm-hmm. sense of romantic because it has that literal contrast that you can see that you you can't avoid seeing. It's not like uh, like the the Saint Anthony Falls. You have to be directed there and find it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's not something that's dominating the landscape, like this old dark mountain with a brooding castle on top. <laughs> and then you look down here, and it's H and M, and then you can uh, buy a CD. You know it, that contrast between. You know, the Edinburgh Castle, even if you never go into it, if you just look up there and it's dominating the a lot of the skyline is just like every uh, f- dark fairy tale 
is staring you in the face, you know, I think that just as a visitor, you're really, really struck by that. It's not like other places where you're like, I know this is town is old, but I'm eating at this brand new tourist McDonald's mm-hmm. and then I'll go to the really old castle. Like the fact that the really old castle is always there. Yeah. It is, I think, gives it a uh, uh, power. And, and like, there's just so much about it. Everything from, you know, it being the source of Jekyll and Hyde. And then like I started, re- after we visited, I started reading the Detective Rebus novels by Ian Rankin, mm-hmm. which are explicitly his way of trying to say um, in the beginning of he, he tried to rewrite Jekyll and Hyde from it basically a, uh, just the thematics of Jekyll and Hyde saying that is Edinburgh mm-hmm. and here's this detective who represents it and then things like like there are literally uh, undiscovered levels uh, beneath us you know uh, the the fact that the fringe started there that is a reaction to a large arts festival so the fringe started is it's sort of like uh, you know anarchic shadow of like you don't, won't let us in the real festival we'll start our strange fringe festival that's a element of like not in good and bad of Jekyll and Hyde, but like we shall have the proper festival and then mm-hmm. we'll have the explosive weird do whatever you want festival. <laughs> and then that has filtered out like there's a lot in Edinburgh that whether or not it's true for living there day to day because I never have. And I, I want to give that the utmost respect that leans into this, uh, that feeling of the two ideas, whether it be new and old, you know, proper and uh, proper art or, you know, avant-garde art. Mm-hmm. A lot of these ideas that are always kind of, that might be in that are probably in conflict lots of other places, but are explicitly unignorably in conversation with one another in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that was one of my first uh, times I've ever went to a place and kind of got, you know, got the, Oh, are you a tourist? Uh, of I, I had gone to the castle mm-hmm. uh, and then we went to just like a pub to have a drink. And I think I've told this story on Obsessed before of uh, at the time my drink of choice was a screwdriver and I said that to a Scotch bartender and they're just like, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, it's orange juice and has vodka. And he's like, oh, and, and orange and vodka. Like, okay, great. Uh, and then uh, there was a, a woman at the bar. He's like, you're a tourist, right? And I, yeah. And he's like, did you go to the castle? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, that's not the real Edinburgh experience. He's like, okay, what's the real Edinburgh experience? And, you know, she had a glass of whiskey and she said, getting pissed and slammed her whiskey. <laughs> that was a great experience. That's amazing. The, the contrast of being a tourist or not. Yeah. 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 Um, so I want to ask you just a few other questions. We begin to wrap up here. Do you, in terms of travel, and I think what a lot of us are missing now when, when we uh, can't travel, do you feel like there is, that all of the value in travel is is experiencing the new place or do you find there's value just not being where you're used to being just that break from routine the break from sameness yeah i mean i think i think it's both and i think um you know i think it it depends because some people are more able to break with their normal routine than others um but i mean i think certainly just like a I think just the break, honestly, is part of it sometimes. Like sometimes you just need to, you know, it's like as though you were a as though you were a dog just like who's gotten wet and you just need to like shake everything out and just kind of come back to yourself. Like I feel like sometimes that's what travel is. I've been a wet dog for months. <laughs> is you just need to be like, oh, okay. Like who am I? Where are my feet? Where's my head? Where's up? Where's down? And 
maybe it's a little bit different from where I thought it was. Like maybe yeah. the earth has tilted slightly. Um, so I feel like there is something about that because it does, I to me, what I value about travel is it can get you out of your head. It can get you out of your um, your, your monotony, out of your stress, out of things that are going on and kind of make you step back and be like, oh, like just have a moment to have a different perspective. Yeah. Whether it's on your own life or your own day-to-day or whether it's on the world or on a thing of like, well, I always thought this, but then they said this. And I just feel like it's that that forced perspective adjustment. Yeah. Even if it's tiny. like, And I don't mean like people are wrong. I don't, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. Like I, I get it when we go, you know, somewhere else and just have a morning, you know, eating danishes and drinking tea and, you know, not too far away. Like not now, just to be clear, not now (laughs) we are not traveling. Um, but I feel like just that stepping away and stepping back and also then finding out like, okay, is, does it take you an hour a day to get back, just straight up back into your routine? Yeah. Yeah, no, I th- yeah. I think I find that too because it, you know lived in Minneapolis for so long, mm-hmm. and then times that we've usually when we've gone back there, it has been to to do a show. But we have gone back there for some like some family things where I don't have as much of like that like I got to get ready. I have a thing to do. Right. Um, uh, one year I went back just for my friend's bar crawl, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so weird to be a visitor in a place that is home. Yeah, uh, and I think I've got. But I've got that same sort of travel thing out of it that I've gotten when I've sometimes gone to like, a, you know, a place that I've never been before that a little bit of that sense of of just reset of like you, you're not doing the everyday things that you have to do in your day to day life. And it gives you a, a chance to refocus and go, what do how do I want to best be spending my time? Um, and I think even even when it's not like a discovery uh, I think the best of travel for me is when you can kind of incorporate something like I- any sort of idea mm-hmm. into it, like take something back. Like, mm, um, yeah, this is such a weird thing, but it just popped in my head because we were talking about feeling the different energy of different places. Um, it was a while ago now that, um, yeah, so I had lived in Portland and I had all these romantic memories of Portland and how much I enjoyed my life there. And then uh, got invited to be guests at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival to do some, you know, uh, wacky cosmic horror comedy uh, with my friend Tim Uren. Uh, and, that, and I just jumped at that because I could finally, as an adult, go back to Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember just being really affected by, like, the differences in just vibe, you mm-hmm. know, between that and uh, Minneapolis. But in particular, we went close to Halloween. Rel- not even that close. It was, like, the very end of september beginning of october i can't yeah. remember what but the the entire city was decked out oh yeah and ha- like, there's halloween stuff there I, I remember seeing like a couple of like kind of like uh trying to beat the world record size pumpkins in the back of trucks like mm-hmm. more than one yep and it became just like a fun running joke of every time i saw anything halloween i would turn to the rest of the group and go hey, yeah they love halloween and it was at the time it was just sort of a joke but it was one of the things that i think re-fired for myself you love halloween and there's a reason that that's you know seeing that reminder of that different you know part of yourself that different perspective on culture yeah you know has sort of reawakened something and i think that's really nice when it's it's not necessarily about like portland didn't invent halloween it wasn't like i've never heard of halloween and i went to portland (laughs) and i discovered it Mm -hmm. it but seeing it in a different context reframed its importance in my life yeah 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 that's amazing yeah 
thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, if you could safely be anywhere for a week right now, where would you like to go? I mean, after this conversation, gosh, how could I not be in Edinburgh? Yeah, it really is. This is uh, our travel slash obsessed with Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in general, there's lots of places, but with this conversation, that's top of my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Any any other thoughts on travel that you wanted to share? Um, you don't have to. It's a want to. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I have many. I just because <laughs> you did like a triple take. I did. I did. Um, no, <laughs> it's good. You like it. Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, the knowledge that I am a wet dog who can eventually shake it out, I think that's a huge contribution to the discussion of travel. <laughs> uh, can you make a noise to sum up your interest in travel? <sighs> I don't know. I, I always go for like the breathy noises. You do? Yeah. I'm just going to go like... You express yourself in a breathy way? That's fine. Were you? Were you... <laughs> Was that like you were soaking in a different environment and then blowing it out? I was spinning the globe with my mouth. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, sighing happily. Okay. But I'm just also going to throw out a like, wow. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, for listeners who cannot see. Uh, this is Sarah's doing a nice head nod. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was. Wow. I was. That's yeah. kind of happy. <laughs> that is a great noise. On a uh, a scale of one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest, how obsessed with travel are, do you think you are in general? Oh, um, so in terms of thinking about it, yeah, uh, probably a nine. Okay, yeah. Um, because for me, part of it is it's both thinking about it and just like thinking about other places and thinking about what it would be like to be there. So it's not actually the act of traveling as much as it is thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I love traveling, and um, but life often, especially lately, has been very busy for us, so very hard to get away for more than um, a day. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give myself a nine. Ooh, I think that's really good. I will I'll rate myself a little bit lower. I will say seven. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think I now, in, in, as I have had the opportunity to travel now, I'm really straddled the line of valuing comfort and adventure. And I often have the experience that I'm extremely happy uh, to be at a convention, particularly when I'm, you know, performing. Mm -hmm. um, and I always end up loving performing. And I love hanging out with friends late at night. But there's always that like, I got away from my normal routine. And now I'm in a hotel room. What if I just sat here and watched things and did nothing? <laughs> like I have to be honest with myself that yeah. I uh, that I still do crave that open road feeling and that yeah. adventure of we don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm here to you know do fun things with a large group of people and you know uh, hopefully make people laugh and, and have a good time and have like lots of energy and lots of excitement. Mm -hmm. And then there is that part of me of just like what I want more than anything. You know, if I could transport anywhere, it'd be like a cabin by a lake with no internet would be awesome like a part of my my pull to travel is is the comfort side of it the vacation side of it yes yes and I th and that's actually a good point which we have not talked about so we'll talk about it some other time or just you and I ourselves without microphones about travel versus vacation yeah and how they overlap and when they might when they might not yeah yeah that's yeah that's a very good point because we have mm -hmm. I think done some good we're not as good at traveling to just sit and relax yeah. And I know I've known people in my life who are like, no, a vacation is you go someplace quiet and you sit and you read a book. <laughs> and other people are like, if I have not tried at least 
12 different foods every day. <laughs> you know, if I have not been strapped into at least three different, you know, weird machines <laughs> of to do bungee jumping and to do this, like, you know, uh, or I have not taken a thousand like that need adventure. Like, yeah, that's, you know, what it's all about mm-hmm. that you can sit around at home. Traveling is to, you know, do as much and see as much and absorb as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I are probably somewhere in between. Yeah. 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 The last trip I was able to take is uh, uh, doing a show at uh, the San Francisco uh, Sketch Comedy Fest, uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest, and I, the show was great. But also I got there the night before the show. I went to a burger bar across from my hotel uh, that was clown themed. All sorts of clown <laughs> pictures had insanely delicious gourmet burgers, incredibly great martini, uh, had um, a like Tin Pan Alley, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, Dean Martin playlist, Sammy Davis Jr. going. And then it was a really, this is really weird for my last trip because it was, you know, before pandemic times, it, the seats were pretty close together. There were some regulars in there and there were some people who were just coming in who just wanted to chat uh and like so it was the i was sitting alone with a burger but then it was like and it's like it's san francisco i've been there many times Mm -hmm. i've done many of the tours things i've hung out with people who live there i like feel like i've experienced it uh but it was just like everybody just wanted to chit chat in this tiny clown themed burger bar yeah and there's a part of me is like i'm excited to do the show but i kind of got what i need out of traveling from this one stop (laughs) at this clown themed burger bar that's amazing. Yeah. So more clown themed burger bars yeah. uh, to discover is the point of that. Yeah. That's lovely. Excellent. Uh, do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media should you want to be found? Uh, yeah. I can be found on Instagram at Scrim Street. <laughs> nice. Nice and to the point. Uh, here are some quick plugs and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out that Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For all sorts of information on comedy albums and other comedy adventures, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon, full info on that. Go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And in the category of staying political, not just getting political every two to four years, uh, there are very important uh, Senate uh, runoff elections happening January 5th. If you want to support both the candidates and the organization set up by Stacey Abrams to fight voter suppression. You can donate to all three in one easy go at fairfight.com. And if you want to help uh, get out the vote in Georgia for those very important uh, Senate runoff elections, there is a organization, a, uh, a movement called voteforward.org, where you write nonpartisan letters to people encouraging them to use their power and vote as they choose uh, as they choose to. Uh, and you can sign up for those letters right now at voteforward.org specifically for those uh, runoff Senate elections on January 5th. So fairfight.com, voteforward.org. All right, you ready for final questions? Sure am. Excellent. If you could add a float to the Macy's Parade, what would you add? Ooh, wow. <laughs> wow, what fun. Um, I would like to add a tree. <laughs> the nuance tree, right? <laughs> I guess like maybe a tree with like some little like... Dancing gnomes or something, dancing elves. <laughs> would the dancing know. elves be part of the balloon, or would they be uh, actual people dancing on the? Well, in normal years, I would think that along with the float holders, they'd have like little dancing um, people dressed as like 
elves and little miniature trees like dancing Ooh, alongside yeah. them. But this year, I think it's going to have to be just like um, hanging off of the tree float, like just little things. <laughs> just hanging on like all of us. <laughs> just, just hanging on. I was thinking like having fun, like having spinning. Having fun. Okay. Yeah. I thought when you said just hanging on, it was like, we're <laughs> Look, these gnomes are just trying to get through this year, just like the rest of you us. You know, sometimes my uh, my my mouth knows what I mean to say more than my brain does. <laughs> I do not mean to uh, <laughs> second guess your brain. Uh, if we had a magic portal in our apartment, but only one item could come out of it, what item would you want to come out of our magic portal? Whiskey. <laughs> uh, we have been talking about Edinburgh. That, that is where your mind... <laughs> automatically goes final question always on the podcast is what is happiness happiness is finding um joy in the world whether you get to travel or not i think that really (laughs) covers the basis because everyone by by definition is either traveling or not at all times (laughs) it's a really broad one wasn't it it was a broad one but you know what i'll take it we need as much broad joy as, as humanly possible yeah finding joy Find, finding joy is happiness. That is inarguable. You've done an amazing job of answering that question in different ways, in poetic ways, week after week. So I think, uh, I think uh, defaulting to uh, happiness is finding joy. Just do it. Go out there. Get yourself some joy. I think that is great. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So one of the other uh, trips that you and I took together, which is not Edinburgh, but very close, is we did the very touristy thing of going to Loch Ness. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was a great experience. We were on that bus and they were asking, like, uh, the guide was asking Uh, trivia questions and there was that one young kid who knew everything and it was like the tour guide was like winding up to like have a funny answer and the kid would interject and like uh, cut the legs out from under him because the kid knew everything yeah and then we had the thrill of being on the actual boat on the actual lock Mm -hmm. with that kid and i remember so strongly that i was just like Loch Ness was, of course, like, yeah, I know it's a real place, but it was so such a place of, you know, fantasy and imagination and what if. But I was going there in such an adult way of like, yeah, of course, we're not going to see a monster, but look at how beautiful this is. This is just amazing that I'm here. Uh, And then hearing that kid rationalize and go like, I know there's a chance that I might not see the monster and I got to be okay with that. Yeah. It was great. And it was then amazing, yeah. do, do you remember the thing that he eventually said? Well, I always get it. Uh, I changed it slightly, so I'm going to have you say it. But this was, uh, it was absolutely amazing. And I should have mentioned this as one of my favorite trips ever. Oh, no. Is being there. Because it is one of my favorite. But at the very end, so we did, spoiler, we did not see the monster. Um, but we are getting back towards show, the shore. And what did the kid say? Well, the kid just, I think, kind of took it all in and, and mm-hmm. didn't see the monster, but was on, you know, this beautiful body of water in, in Scotland. And it was clearly American. Mm-hmm. Uh, the accent's hard to miss. And it, it just kind of reached his arm to the air and, and shouted, this is a trip of a lifetime. It was so great. 